0: Steve Tasker, who has been all over
1: the field. Kind of unique, he was kind of a dual role player for you.
2: Steve. A
1: balloon. Steve. A blimp? <laughs> We're not even in the stratosphere of normalcy. All right, welcome to One Bills Live here on a Tuesday. We're rocking and rolling, man. I'm getting excited. you am getting excited? I'm a little excited. You know why I'm excited? I just brought it up right before that we broke because
3: we were listening to the open as we came on. The open that we've used for now for
1: two plus years. Two
3: plus years. We're going to get a new opening little montage at, in training camp. A new one. We're going to go for another. It'll probably be our new open for the next five years. But... <laughs> We're, I'm kind of excited. That, to I, we me. haven't we haven't seen it yet. The new what the new open is going to look heard like it. or heard it, but you know we've been clamoring for a new instead of Steve Tasker who has been Marv Albert doing that and oh. and you Steve
1: you know mm-hmm. yeah the blimp right mm-hmm. um yeah I, a
3: hey, new open it'll on be the cool we well s- we well, we'll s- well, like, <laughs> we think it'll be cool I'll believe it well, when it I say it said be. Be. right but I right. The, the guys in the control room are talking back there, I can hear them. They're mum. They're grumbling.
1: Yeah, they're well. They're they're him and and they're there, largely they're, responsible for. They're not, for the they're not quality convinced we're open. <laughs> um, which, you know. uh, lots to talk. S- speaking about. Speaking of the control room, what about Steve? It? How about the the hijinks going on today around the office? Oh my gosh! We we come into the office today, and um, there's a guy there. A new guy. Well, he's, he's not new. He's not new to new. us. He was new to us. We're si- we walked We'd in. never met him. sitting in the office. Never met, met him. him. And... Uh, he, you know what? That guy
3: could be an imposter. Oh, wow. Think about that.
1: You think? So, Randy... The, yeah, um, the guy's name's Randy. Works in IT for PSE. <laughs> I do finger quotes Randy. <laughs> and he's here. Right. Well, he did send me an email, so it's... I okay. think it's legit. Anyway, he's here... Because he's trying to track down a rogue Macintosh laptop. Right. And I'm saying to myself, do the laptops kind of run them? I mean, I know they're, you know, I I know we're pretty advanced Uh, here technology wise, but now now we're chasing down laptops. Now, obviously, there's an operator to this said laptop. Well, maybe
3: not. It might just have been sitting somewhere left on. And then, you know, here's the thing it, and I'm a goober so i don't even i'm pretty sure when you push the button it turns on that's all i know so this laptop is turning itself on somewhere somewhere they can't find it and it's inviting or it's it's fishing for malware yeah for to you know to it's like a this corporate sabotage is going on i'm like you know is this like who is this you know, does this have, like, a, a Patriots logo on it, or, you know, what's the deal? It, who put it here? I don't know if it rose
1: to that level. They're no, just, I don't either, because he says now we have to take to that like, They've
3: blocked it. Every time it pops on, they block it now,
1: right? Right. They've got the stuff They going. have the, yeah, I mean, they have the red flags that pop up, so they're trying to locate <laughs> where this through. thing is, because it's on the system. Think about this. You look around
3: our control room, and, and here, I got two, you've got two. We've got, there are laptops everywhere. In our control room, they're like old ones stacked up out here. They're they're everywhere,
1: but now they're, it, it's like our IT department has turned into the FBI. They're right. dispatching field agents. That's right. All- <laughs> they're all coming down. They're
3: like you. Re- <laughs> First of all, you rarely see any of them come down here. They're all like, you well, know, yeah, right. Because we're, we're, we're
1: the, bothering them because we need we're the help wrong s- with something
3: in the in the scheme of One Bills Drive. We are the wrong side of the tracks, so nobody really ever comes down to visit us. So. <laughs> To have one of them actually, like, show up. Steve, you sounded very needy
1: right there. That wasn't... Like,
3: huh? <laughs> right. Nobody, Nobody cares. Visits Nobody us. likes us. You sounded <laughs> very needy. <laughs> Nobody likes us. So, t- they, we had two of them come down today. And they were, you know, like, they're nosing around. I, you know, I I was like, you know, here are mine. You can look Well, we at don't even have Macs. Right. We have PCs.
1: So <laughs> Which is how
3: much I know. I'm like, yeah, here's mine. He goes, what? No. <laughs> yeah. So...
1: Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad I'm not even, I didn't even make the list. Right. One, you know, it's a we list didn't you don't want to
3: make. We don't even rise to the level of concern. Yeah. We so. Don't, we don't have
1: the capability of orchestrating something like that. It's hilarious that
3: though. they were down here rooting around, every looking everywhere. Yeah. Trying to find this laptop. And I guess it was on, it, it was on our like little studio loop of the internet. Is that what they're saying?
1: I, I, dude, I don't even know if you're using the right terminology. Now. I don't I couldn't, I couldn't tell you hide nor hair. The well, they
3: seem to know. I
1: think it was in our end of the building somehow, some way. They, they had traced and, it to a certain location. Um, but I don't think they came up with any definitive answers as to whether the, or not they've nailed it down. You know, you know, they didn't, you know they didn't check the guys next to us. Oh. Do they have Macs, though? I don't think they do. God, dude. They're going to check every... They're going to be digging under every corner of this place. I have no idea where – but that was a weird – that's the, the highlight it was, of our It was thing. interesting, though, because I was just like, this is where we are now. Like, I think we all agree, you know, computers kind of run the world. Man. And this, when you have yeah. a problem like this, it's – got to deal with it quickly, seriously, and canvas the whole thing. They are canvassing this. thing. It's impressive. Yeah. And i got to say. But they, they remind – I'm like, this is like – IT yeah. guys are like the FBI now. Yeah, it's
3: like they're searching for a bug. Yeah. You know.
1: They got to track it down.
3: Yeah, they got to. So track good it down. luck to them. That was the highlight of our I morning. I hope they
1: are successful. Yeah, <laughs> highlight
3: of our morning. We lead a glamorous Actually, life here. Actually, it was not quite the the real highlight was because IT
1: came down, you got them to fix your printer. We think. Well, <laughs> I did get the document printed out that you I needed because fi- my printer. printer is well, here's the thing. So I recently received this fine new laptop here, which is great. I love it. The problem is the software on here doesn't talk to my stone age printer. So I so I, you know, I try to troubleshoot stuff. I don't just pick up the phone and call IT fix and say, stuff. "Help me fix my stuff." I'm like, "Let me, you know, let me troubleshoot this and right. see what I can do." And so I get to the point where I refresh the settings where I'm trying to you know, find new printer, you know? Right, so I, right, I right. do that because it's a new laptop hooked up to my old printer and it's searching around. can't find it. So now I'm going, so it's like, can't find my printer. Oh, let's click on that. And then I pick, and it gives me a list, you know, of the printer companies. And then, you know, is your model this model? Oh, or yeah, this? yeah, yeah. Well, I go all the way down the list. It skips over my model. Mine's like a phaser 6022. So it's six zero two two. And I go down and there's the list. There's Phaser six thousand B. Okay, we must be next here in the order. Phaser sixty four hundred, son of a gun. They jumped right out they leapfrogged right over my damn printer. Your printer is yeah, out of line. I'm I'm worried that it's in the eyes of of the tech gurus an extinct entity. Because it works great. I love it. But I whether I'm gonna be able to continue to get it. Any printer that
3: works is worth loving. But yeah. If it doesn't work. I'm not picky, know. man. Yes, I got you. Do I? Yeah. I'm not. No. I got it. I know. I We don't print that much because everything no, is, No, we don't. Know, we do no, a we lot more on screen. We're like, yeah. But there's
1: a couple of things that if I just want to keep at the ready in a right, file, I, yeah, like, I, I kind of want I that.
3: Like a couple of things I've got. Right printed. there. This has been printed for, you know, forever. But,
1: <laughs> you know. It is what it is. Yeah. Uh, let's get to some NFL news and notes. We saw yet another report on how this Deshaun Watson suspension may shake out. As we mentioned on yesterday's show, independent arbitrator Sue Robinson has yet to uh, render a decision in terms of what Watson could potentially face in the way of a suspension. There are rumors that she is waiting on that to allow the NFLPA and the NFL to meet again and try to reach a settlement. And someone is—I think it's Pro Football Talk—was reporting today that Deshaun Watson's intent to sue, if he doesn't like the decision, may be rendered moot uh, because it's being put out there now. They're floating that the we- range of punishment for Deshaun Watson may only be two to eight games. Okay, i i can't I can't see that sitting well with. Anybody, two games, except for Deshaun Watson, of course. Come on, two games—that's that's crazy
3: <clears throat> to me. Here's the problem, and all this stuff is—is is, it's weird now because all the stuff, like you can go back and look at owners, and you can look all the way back to Aaron Hernandez, who was you know, <laughs> can, you know, all that stuff he went through, and and other guys who have gone through this, like all the way back to Ray Rice and guys I mentioned. The, the whole history of the league. Here's the problem. None of the game suspensions that any of those guys got or didn't get, and that includes owners like Robert Kraft and all of those guys and everything, Tom Brady, Ezekiel Elliott, all these guys, the PEDs, the current – all the guys that happened before 2020 don't apply to this scenario because it's a brand-new collective bargaining agreement. So none of the punishments that happened or did not happen to any of those guys have nothing to do with the punishments yeah. to these guys.
1: It's a fresh slate. The, of it's a
3: fresh slate. So they could they could suspend Deshaun Watson for 10 days or ten years. It's all fresh and new if
1: they so desire. I think in the eyes of many though, it's going to look as as extremely lenient. I agree. I, well, all of us agree,
3: but it always if t- there's, yeah, I, I agree. The problem is that you can't compare what's going on with Deshaun Watson to anything else, even if there wasn't a c- new CBA, because his c- every case is different. Uh, whether it's an owner, a player, a coach, a staff member, any of it, so you can't compare one to the other unless you know it's unless it, you know it's identical in every way, which you can't. It's never is. Yeah. So, that plus the fact that it's a brand new agreement between the Players Association and the union makes everything brand new. You could have much longer suspensions under the new CBA or much shorter ones, but it all comes down to the arbitrator and what she says. And there's, and you know, as always in this stuff, you always get, I mean, goodness gracious, even the Supreme Court's leaking stuff out now. So you're going to get a whiff of what it's going to be coming out. So which we've been getting little bits. Right, we're pieces getting bits of. and pieces of it. So we'll see, we'll yeah. see. But two, you know, two to eight games. Who sound two right. games? Just are sound you right. kidding me? Doesn't I don't get right. that. Yeah, I don't know. What, what, what. Who are we?
1: Rams defensive lineman Bobby Brown, a second-year player, former fourth-round pick of the Rams in 2021, is going to be suspended for six games for violating the NFL policy on performance-enhancing substances. So it looks as though he will not be available for Buffalo's week one game against the Rams. I believe he started six games for them last year. Um, Or I'm sorry, played in six
3: games. Played in six games. He was... He was played some special team snaps. Yeah.
1: He was a he was a backup.
3: He's a, um, he was very much but a backup. Maybe,
1: maybe could have a larger role this year, uh, in light of some of their departures along their defensive line. Maybe uh, so that they will be without him for week one and the five games that follow. I saw this the other day, Steve, and I didn't know what to make of it. You got Bills, Stephon Diggs, and Von Miller trying to recruit Pro Bowl cornerback Joe Hayden to Buffalo, according to reports. So, take it for what it's worth. As we've discussed, the Bills don't have a ton of money to work with. Not that Joe Hayden would come at a steep price. He's pretty advanced in his career. And when you say Joe Hayden, I'm immediately thinking one-year deal. Right? I mean, like, what is he, an 11- or 12-year veteran now? Here's the problem. You might muddy the waters, right? Yeah.
3: You're gonna give Joe Hayden money for a one year deal at a position where you've already bolstered your roster and have a lot of young talent. You're kinda of, you're neck yeah. deep in pretty good people, and you're gonna let Mike uh Jordan Poyer sit there with no contract. Yeah. I don't know if that I, I don't know if I get along that with
1: that. That is a that is a fine line for personnel executives to walk, isn't it? Because you wanna believe that the young guys you have in the pipeline are gonna make it and be productive players for you. But in order to ensure that, you have to give them reps on the field, both in practice and in some cases in games. You know, throw them in the deep end of the pool and see if they swim. And there are some personnel executives that say, "Eh, yeah, that's all fine and good, but I want a backup plan or I want insurance in case that doesn't come to fruition. If I'm Brandon Bean, I would be inclined to give the reps to the young players because of the strong player development that this team has had at the coaching well, level for not, the last yeah.
3: five years—that's Sean McDermott, not Brandon Bean. But I get you; the point's made. You got to get those guys ready. Yeah,
1: Joe Hayden will be—he'll uh, be there in a month. Yeah, if you need him, conceivably. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure somebody to, else could sign him if they have a rash of injuries at the position. But yeah. short of that, you know—that's somebody. Say, do you,
3: here's the thing: Are there more urgent questions to answer? I mean, would you would you rather make Jordan Poyer happy and give Joe Hayden's money to Jordan Poyer, make him and get put that away, put that to bed, and take your chances with Tredavious White, Kyrie Elam, Cam, Lewi- um, Dane Jackson, Cam Lewis, Taryn Johnson, which is a good group of guys. Oh yeah, and to throw Joe Hayden on there, and I don't know that Joe Hayden at this point of his career could bust into the top four. No, you know what I mean. He's pretty- I, I like Joe.
1: Yeah, and he's, he's a good, long. He's long in the tooth. He's though.
3: a good dude too. I've, I've I've I covered him when I was with CBS. Had some and watched him play. He's he's well liked. Great pro. Had a great career. Uh, all of that. But at this point, he's close to the end. I don't know that he helps you. Yeah. No. I don't know that he helps you. So. Yeah, I'm 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 kind of I'm along the lines of no I'm. That you're right. I think you're right. That's a perfect way to put it. I think it muddies the waters. Yeah.
1: The uh, as we mentioned yesterday, the Bills and the Raiders were the first two teams to have their rookies report to training camp. Today, there are eight more teams doing the same: Falcons, Ravens, Chargers, Dolphins, Patriots, Saints, Giants, and Jets. So the entire AFC East is up and running now. Mm-hmm. And Giants first year GM Joe Shane, former assistant GM of the Bills. Said he's going to be a nervous wreck when practices kick off on July 27th. He is holding his breath and hoping no major injuries pop up. The reason why he says it's stressful is because he knows there are 90 guys on 32 rosters and there's only so many players out there at each position that can still function in a camp. He said it's always the most stressful time of the year for him. Right. So, because you got to have enough bodies to practice effectively, you want enough competition where. Guys are working their hardest, and if you have a few injuries, that balance can get thrown out of whack sometimes. Right. Um, But it was interesting. Joe said, we've got a really good sports science department, medical department, and they've been working closely with Brian Dable on the practice schedules. Right. I think we have a good plan in place. I wonder where that plan came
3: from. Yeah, exactly. It's interesting, too, because you talk about the AFC East, all four teams now up and running and in camp and up and at it. Uh, we've got Eric Edholm from uh, he's formerly of Yahoo Sports. He's been covering the NFL for twenty years. He's coming on. He wrote a nice article about on the, NFL.com.
1: dot yeah. com on
3: NFL.com dot com about the AFC East and all the storylines of all four of the teams in the in the division: Bills, Patriots, Dolphins, Jets. Uh, all of them are in camp. Eric Edholm's going to come on and speak to us uh, at the, in the two o'clock second, hour, second, second hour, hour of the show. show. He's going to come on and, and we'll go through those storylines of the of the yeah. Bills division opponents. So that'll be good. And now that all those teams are full speed ahead, it'll be fun to talk about the, the other three teams.
1: Speaking of AFC East opponents, Emmanuel Ogba was quoted by NFL.com and, or I'm sorry, from Aaron Wilson of the Pro Football Network. Uh, he said the Dolphins' defense is going to build on its hot finish to 2021. As you remember, they won eight of their last nine games uh, after a horrible start, in which they started one in five. They didn't make the playoffs, but they won eight of the last nine games. He says, Emmanuel Ogba said of the Dolphins defense, the defense for sure can be scary this year because we all know each other. We all know what each other are capable of, our strengths and weaknesses. We're all going to help each other compete. It's an exciting time for the defense. You shouldn't sleep, but we're just going to do our job. You can keep sleeping on us, but we're just going to keep handling our responsibilities. He also specifically mentioned – second-year pass rusher Jalen Phillips. He said, Jalen surprised me this offseason. He has the mentality. I'm excited to see his growth this year. I'm excited to see him work, and we've got Melvin Ingram here too. I'm excited for him to be a part of the team. They They have some pass rushes, and I'm just going to say this. Jalen Phillips very quietly accumulated eight-and-a-half sacks down the stretch last season. It it, it all kind of clicked for him. Right. And I think he's going to be a Jason Taylor type pass rusher for the Dolphins for a long time. He's yeah. got that similar frame and he inexplicably they were dropping him into coverage, lining him up at outside linebacker in a 3-4 set and it just was not working. They finally just stuck him up on the line for the second half of the season and he was he was wrecking people. Yeah, they were And the, and Bills fans didn't see that because right. The bills we already, were done with the dolphins right. by the middle of the year. Right, we they had, didn't see how that team finished.
3: We had uh, it was obvious that Brian Flores, as head coach last year, they were trying, they were experimenting, trying to find exactly who they were defensively and with their new personnel. Jalen Phillips, you remember, is also the guy that was uh, picked right around, or was right there with Greg Rousseau in the last year's draft. Both those guys. He went in the teens. Right, he,
1: I think it was pick eighteen or twenty-one, somewhere around there. Rousseau was 30th. Right. Yeah.
3: And Jalen Phillips probably went higher in the draft because he played in played 20. Yeah, he played last season for the for the U. Greg Rousseau uh, sat out.
1: He, t- he took Rousseau's number. <laughs> yeah, they had the same number. You watch
3: film on them, and they wear the same number for the same college team. Um, obviously, uh, Greg Rousseau was in 2020, and Phillips was in 2021. But it was really weird because you know, they both got drafted after wearing the same number, and their last college foot game film was <laughs> same t- team with the same number. Anyway, those two guys are really closely tied, I think, because the Bills, although the Bills didn't get a chance to pick Jalen Phillips, don't know if he would have been their guy. Both those guys are off to good starts in their careers. And it's going to be interesting to see because they're going to be looking at each other for a long time across the line of scrimmage, Well, across yes, the they sidelines.
1: Will. And here's, here's the interesting thing about the Dolphins' defense. It may very well need to carry them through the early part of the season because that is the one element of the Dolphins that is not new. Yes, they have a new head coach in Mike McDaniel, who came over from San Francisco, so the offensive scheme will be new. But he retained Dolphins' defensive coordinator Josh Boyer, who worked under Brian Flores. So the defense is the same. Scheme-wise mm-hmm. and to a large degree personnel-wise. I think they have nine of 11 starters returning from last year's squad. Right. And it was a squad that finished the year on a tear. So, they're going to see them in week three, the Bills. So, right, be interesting to see how good that defense looks in the early part of the season, knowing the continuity that they finally seem to have, both in personnel and in scheme. So, just something to be mindful of. Tough to get that continuity and stuff going with a new head
3: coach. I know that, you know, like you said, there's a lot of carryover from a year ago when they had uh, the same cast of characters doing it. But, man, oh, man, Every, so much changes when you get a new staff.
1: Right, but the coordinator's the same. They kept yeah. Josh Boyer. So that yeah. that's a feather in their cap there on the defensive side of the ball. Anyway, I don't know if you saw this, Steve. Justin Jefferson, wide receiver for the Vikings. I mean, his production alone has made him one of the best receivers in the entire league after just two seasons of playing. He, in an interview, he basically said it won't belong, it won't be long before he's considered the very best at his position. He said right now, here, I'll I'll do the direct quote just to do him right, Um I'll say after this year, I'll be the best receiver in the NFL, Jefferson told Complex, which published the interview. I definitely have to give it to Devontae Adams as of now, him being so crazy and dynamic on the field. His route running is crazy, so I definitely have to give it to him right now. But I'm pretty sure after this year, it's going to be me.
3: <laughs> hey, good Go, for you. you
1: confident young man, you. Good for you, man. That's awesome. Hey, I'm not the best yet, but it'll be me next year. Yeah, that's. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I think, and I get it. I mean, the guy's confident, and they probably put him. They probably asked a pointed question where he had to answer it in some way, shape, or form, um, in in that regard. But I'm a I'm a big believer, um, in not giving a cornerback anything to put up on the side of it. You know, a little clip to put up on the side of his locker i mean he's gonna you print that just every corner he's gonna face you pops that right up on the side of their locker so they can look at and see what they said you know because you're gonna play against these guys yeah and and i'll say this too some people believe in Kirk cousins i don't um and if you're gonna be and now they've had now we got um we got you know um we got our guy steph diggs from the Vikings and Kirk Cousins certainly made him look good. Um Kirk Cousins has it in him to throw the football for 4000 plus yards a year. Um they have tr- they struggle winning games. Their defense is putrid, no question about it, which puts a little pressure on their offense that maybe they're not up to. Uh, but I don't know. We'll see. Um I I admire the the confidence, but man oh man, you're I mean, you just you're just asking for it. Yeah and I, this is a league where you just don't ask for it.
1: Bills will see the Vikings. This you don't season. ask for it. Bills will see the Vikings this season, second half of the year.
3: First time of the first time the Bills have seen the Vikings since the Josh Allen Hurdle game.
1: That's correct. Which was up there. This game will be in Orchard Park. And what is that? 369 week 10. Uh they'll play the Vikings. So. Yeah. Go get them. That'll be good, Justin Jefferson and Stephon Diggs, kind of the upper echelon of the receiving yeah. talent in this league. The the schedule
3: after you get through the Packers on Week Eight, it softens considerably. Um, you go down through the you know the Packers, of course, and then you go through the rest of the NFC North, which is garbage, <laughs> and then you know. You got the bulk of your, you've got the bulk of your division that the Bills have got to get through, right. so we'll see.
1: Against um, whom they are eleven and one the last two seasons.
3: That's right, and the one loss was the forty mile per hour wins game. Yeah. So you know I, we'll see. Now I, I do think and it's going to be interesting. We can ask Eric Eadholm when he comes on, and I'd be interested to see what you think. We've talked, we talk a lot about the AFC. We talk about everything about the Bills, but the AFC East. I'm hearing a lot of things that people are saying now. It's not the Patriots chasing the Bills. That is a cl- it's the Dolphins that are the closest thing to the Bills now. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I might—I I think I would, would because of their defense and because of the offensive weapons that they put in place. Waddle is their slot receiver, Then they've got Tyreek. They've got Gisecki. Uh, Their offensive lines should be better, uh, much better. It's not saying much that it's a little better. They're going to be much better. Um, there's a lot to be optimistic about in Miami if you're down there.
1: Yeah.
3: And so yeah. I, I, I agree. And and you look at the Patriots.
1: They haven't done much.
3: They haven't done much. I'm, they, their first-round pick is still a puzzler to me. Uh, I get it. The guy may turn out to be a great player, but with the players that were available on the board at that time, yeah. and you take that guy, who you probably could have gotten way later, I, you know, it's just it's puzzling to me.
1: Well – I am not crying for him. I know I'm that. not either. I'm not either. <laughs> but the point the
3: point is I think the Dolphins are the team that you're looking over your sh- if you're the Bills, you'd look over your shoulder. They're yes. the ones you see. You don't I see the Patriots. Say, I would say yes to that. The and and even and the Patriots were a playoff team last year with a rookie quarterback. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. But they're changing offensive coordinators, play callers. There's going to be some a little bit of adjustment there, I would think. Oh yeah. Mac Jones probably will be better this year. Mentally at least. So we'll see. Yeah.
1: We will talk more about the AFC East in hour number two when we have Eric Edholm from NFL.com joining us. We mentioned yesterday on the show priorities for you to assess. We're taking that in a similar direction today concerning Bill's training camp. What is the priority during Bill's training camp? Is it A, O-line cohesion, B, defensive line production, C, defensive back questions getting answered. Trey White, Kyrie Elam, Jordan Poyer. Or is it D, the Ken Dorsey effect on the offense? Give us the priority for Bill's training camp. Which one of those has to be settled and addressed during training camp? 803-0550, 1-888-550-2550, the number to get on board. Or you can hit us up on the tweet sheet. At one Bills live. Do you, uh, Steve, have one that sticks out for you here, like a priority we, for yeah. you?
3: We talked about the DB questions yesterday. Tredavious White coming back from injury. Kyrie Elam stepping up as a first-round draft because he's going to be ready to plug and play. And Jordan Poyer contract situation. Um, D-line production. you got all these guys coming back. A brand-new – cat. a lot of guys that are new back – Even some of them are coming back, but they're all new this year to the Bills um, – in a time when you really need them to step up Um, and you got some new offensive linemen and you'd love to be able to hand the football off a little bit more this year when you want to rather than when you really have to Uh, you'd like the ability to close out games with a running game Um, and of course to protect Josh so there's a lot of lot going on but I think I think the question marks that Ken Dorsey brings to the table is, I think, is the most important. The rest of those, I, the defensive line, the defensive backs, I think, you know, they're, I think, it, yes, there are some questions there, but the questions aren't catastrophically, you know what I mean? They're not. There's no catastrophic nos there. Um, the offensive line, I'm, I'm, you know, with with their new offensive line coach, Cromer, I, I got confidence in all of those things. Ken Dorsey is a huge unknown. Uh, now he's there's no reason to believe he's going to come in and flop. I don't believe that's going to happen. How good can they be? I don't know. How do you get better from where they were at the end of this last year? They put together two almost perfect football games back to back against playoff football teams in the NFL. Right. That's hard to take a step forward it from is. there. And I'll tell you this too: I don't want the guys coming out here scoring fifty-five points a game in the first month of the season either, because then you got to do that for thirteen more weeks. It's a long season. I think you want a crescendo. You know, it's a long season. Yep. And I'm so I don't want to get. You know, I don't. It'd be great if they did fifty-five. You know, nobody's going to be complaining, but it's like I don't know if you can keep that up. It's just inhum unhumanly possible. It's not humanly possible to think they can do that for four straight months.
1: Yeah. I'll, I'll get to this on the other side because I think one of these choices, I don't know if it can happen during training camp where we'll have a definitive answer. And because of that, I've lopped it off the list. I'll tell you which one that is along with my choice for the top priority during Bills training camp when we return along with your comments on the tweet sheet here on One Bills Live presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. And topic at hand today, what's the priority during Bills training camp? Your choices, O-line cohesion, D-line production, defensive back questions answered, or the Ken Dorsey effect on the offense. What is the priority for you that has to be addressed during Bills training camp? 803-0550, 1-888-550-2550. As I said before the break, To me, I think one has to get lopped off the list because I don't know that you'll have a definitive answer as to whether it's been addressed by the time training camp's over. And that's the Ken Dorsey effect. I think that's only going to be known when we see him perform in a few preseason games. Well, You know what I'm saying? Like, The true effect of who he is is what he does as a play caller. (sighs) Yes, the installs are important in camp. Yes, leading this offense as a new coordinator is important through the practice sessions, through the film reviews, all of that stuff. The proof is going to be in how is he calling a game? That's where the biggest question lies, and I don't know that we're going to get a sense of that until we get through the preseason. So for me, I'm, I'm going to kind of whittle it down to the three, and I'll talk about which one I think the top priority is in a second, but we have to go to the phones at 803 550 550 2550 Open line for you there if you want to jump on as well. But we uh, go to Brian on a cell next. Brian, what do you have for us? You're on One Bills Live.
0: Hey, good afternoon, fellas. How you guys doing? Good. Hey, uh, for me, uh, well, I, I think the easy answer would, cut, would kind of be the Ken Dorsey effect, but uh, I'm going to go the other route with the defensive line production, uh, mainly because it's been a it's been a thorn in the Bills' side. It seems like for the past four or five years, uh, with just consistency on making big time plays. I can't remember the last game where, where a play was made by the defensive line that actually closed the game out. Um, mm. And I think with more production from the defensive line, I think that will give us obviously better answers on – it will have a trickle effect on, on our linebackers. We see Matt Milano make a lot of plays, but I think it will also help answer a lot of questions with Tremaine Ed- Ed- Edmonds that people have, even though I feel like he's a great player. Uh, but I feel like he can be an excellent player if that defensive line um, can live up to the expectations uh, for this year, so uh, that's that's my number one priority. Then the Ken Dorsey uh, would be my second. Mm-hmm. I'm not overly concerned with that, just due to the fact I really think you uh, that you wouldn't know what you're doing if like if you messed up an offense like like the ones that the Bills have. I feel like that'd be pretty hard to kind of kind of <laughs> screw up, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Uh, so, but like you said, Chris, you know, that has to be has to be uh, uh, figured out during the season. But for me, it's the defensive line.
1: Yeah. All right, good at call, Brian.
0: Future. Yeah. Thank I you for it. We appreciate it. You're right, it. Brian. And I'll
3: tell you, Brownie makes a good point right before Brian gave us his, which was a good point as well. I, the Dorsey thing and the effect he's going to have on the offense, If, if he, by all accounts he's a really smart dude, we ain't going to know anything at the end of training camp. Right, not even at the end of the preseason games. It's going to be dive left, get a peek at least, dive left, dive right. You know, because right, he's going to be vanilla, right, right? Right, right. I know what you're it, saying. And they'll, we're not going to know what his effect is going to be on this offense until a month into the season. Yeah, right. Yeah. We're, it's going to take two or three games against really good defenses to find out exactly what he's, you know, what he's
1: capable of. Yeah, and Brian stole a little of my thunder because I was going to pick. Defensive line production for two reasons. One, as Brian mentioned, there has not been a consistent defining measure of production from the front four probably since the 2019 season when you had Jordan Phillips leading the team in sacks with nine and a Mm -hmm. half and Shaq Lawson leading the team or second in the team in tackles for loss and he was second in sacks as well with six and a half. It was only then, like, I I distinctly remember the Sunday night game in Pittsburgh where those guys kind of took over in the second half um, defensively and locked it down. The Bills won that game 17-10. Right. Um, I'm trying to think. I'm sure there's another game. I mean, people will point to the 40-0 shutout against Houston last year in Week 4, defining game for the defense. Okay. And look – I'm not taking anything away from the defense. They were number one in the league last year, right? But I think specifically defensive line, as Brian mentioned, there were times where, even though they were the number one unit in football, there were times where you'd be pretty hard pressed to say D line won the game today. The D line was dominant. They won the game today. Right. They took. They carried the team to victory today. It, it didn't really happened last year. Fortunately, okay. in many cases, it didn't need to happen. I think all but one of the Bills' eleven victories in the regular season were by less than one score by one score or less. They were blowing people out by 12, 14 points every week. Um, so for me, I just it's because we haven't seen it in dominant fashion from the D line of late. And number two, it's the fact that half of that 11-man unit is new right. from the previous season. So not only do you need a consistent measure of production to really take what was a number one defense to an even higher level this year, you also have to blend more than 50% of that talent together because it's all new. Now, new in... in. A loose sense because, as we mentioned, Phillips and Lawson are back. They've played in this defense. New. They know what it's about. They're new. Um, but the defensive line coach is new from the last time they were here. So, yeah, it's, it's going to have to be – so there's got to be a blend, and then that blend has to deliver production on the field week in and week out because I think there are going to be times where you're going to need that D-line to step up and carry you. Yeah. Here's
3: the thing. I Now – Let's face it, too. In the NFL, most teams, with a few ex- with few exceptions, are identified by their offense. It's an offensive league. Scoring's up. Even bad offenses throw some points on the board once in a while. It's hard to play defense the way we've seen defense. Where you get, you know, the Bills last year had two shutouts. In large parts, that fueled their statistical scoring. You know, uh, abilities. Yeah. They threw two. They threw up two shutouts in the first six weeks of the season last year. That's huge. Uh, but but it's hard to play defense in the league now, and it's hard to assess whether your team can actually depend on a defense in a league that won't let them play good defense. I'm, I, I say it like that because I'm an old guy. You know, the, you can't do the things you used to do defensively. These guys are running free, untouchable down the field. Man, it's they're hard also to,
1: throwing forty five yeah, times. it's again. hard to
3: play defense. Um, and but you're right. This team centers around its quarterback and its offense, and that puts and it was the same way when I played um, in when we were the you know that that K gun offense. It puts your defense in a position that mo- not very many other defenses get put into. Meaning, you got an offense that's throwing up some points, and you're playing against an offense that's playing desperate all the time. And this just in: when these teams get desperate, they do things, and they come through for it. They can make it happen once in a while. Even a even a rough even a team that's struggling, when their backs against the wall, they're going to try things, and once in a while, they're going to get it right. Um, you're playing a desperate bunch of guys, and it's hard to defend guys with that attitude when they're trying to keep up with Josh and Diggs and all the guys. So. The Bills' defense, just like the Chiefs' off defense, is put into a position where they got these teams playing at breakneck tempo that they haven't been able to see on film. That you can't prepare for it. Um, but this is a team also whose defense has, as good as it was, number one defense, led the league in scoring, led the league in, in, in all these categories.
1: Pass defense. Yeah.
3: You're right. Brownie, they didn't win too many games defensively last year.
1: Yeah. They they weren't required to. Think about it. if th- you and if you look at the first seven weeks, Steve, we've talked about it. First seven weeks of the season. Yeah. Um it's not gonna be easy. I'll put it to you this way the Bills have the second toughest first eight games in the NFL this year. A five eight five opponent winning percentage. Right. In the first four games, that's last that's counting year, the Jets right. in that number, right?
3: Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's gonna be rough.
1: Fifty-eight percent winning percentage
3: last year. The Bills threw up two shutouts in their first four games. They shut out the Dolphins thirty-five nothing, and they shut out the Texans forty to nothing. They they then they hung forty-three on Washington, who scored twenty-one on them, and the Steelers beat them, scoring twenty-three in the first week of the season and this team really i mean you, you look at the games they lost the games they lost they could not force the new england patriots to throw the football at all in a game
1: yeah. and that's and, where that d-line production comes in so when your offense is struggling your defense is so good up front that it renders that opposing offense just as
3: I think that more than that game Powerless. more than any – I mean, the, you know, the Bills make one play in that Jacksonville game and it's game. over. The Jacksonville game. You, you've you got to win at the line of scrimmage. And last year they didn't get the production out of Starla Tulele that they thought they would get. Uh, they were just a little too small up front, I thought, interior. You know, Ed's his own player, and he's he is what he is. He's great, I think, at a pass rusher, uh, better as a pass rusher than he is a run stuffer. But that's why you bring Jordan Phillips back, and that's why you bring in Daquan Jones and Tim Settle. You bring in some bodies that when you get into a game like you did against the Patriots, they're they're going to have to throw the football to move it.
1: Yeah. We have to take a break here. When we come back, some of your thoughts on the tweet sheet about what the priority is for the Bills during training camp. Choices are there for you at One Bills Live. And also, there's a bit of an issue with the Madden ratings. And some Bills are up in arms over it. We'll tell you who when we come back here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. It's summer. and Bill's head coach, Sean McDermott, wants us all thinking about sun defense. Coach is passionate about skin cancer prevention as it runs in his family, And he takes sun protection very seriously. Most importantly, of course, is wearing sunscreen. Right now, you can stop by your local Wegmans for all your sun protection needs. Wegmans will then donate $1 for every Wegmans sunscreen product sold from now through August 31st in Buffalo, Rochester, and Syracuse stores. It's a great way to protect your family and help the fight against skin cancer and think sun defense like Bill's head coach, Sean McDermott. I got to put it on, man. I don't mess with that, especially yeah. a training camp. There's there's no shade out there. Yeah, it's really So hard. I always wear a hat, and then whatever is not under the hat, I, I got it lathered on, man, because... Just do it. Yep. It's just a smart idea. Just do it. Steve, I mentioned before the break that there are a couple of Bills players who are a little ruffled... The feathers are ruffled a little bit about their Madden Madden ratings. Yeah, As you know, they've been coming out for this year's edition of the game, and Devontae Adams and Miles Garrett were plastered all over social media after getting their 99 ratings, which are rare. Mm -hmm. Let's just say there are some Buffalo Bills that are less than satisfied, Steve, with their Madden ratings. Chief among them, long snapper Reed Ferguson. Ferguson was given an overall rating of 35. There's no love for long snappers, you know? And they also listed him as a tight end. The hell's going on here?
3: What are they doing? We
1: got to take up for Reed, man. Come on. I mean, at least get the guy's position right. Make it look like you're in (laughs) the know. I mean, honest to Pete.
3: Tight end. Tight end.
1: Come on.
3: No, that's not. I mean,
1: I realize there are some long snappers who have doubled as tight ends. Sure. Trey Junkin. Trey Junkin is a guy that came to mind. And there have been others. But guys, it's 2022. Long snappers are people, too. Let's get a little respect here. Yeah. And Reed was great. He goes on social media. He's like a weekend of garbage plates for anybody that's among the Madden ratings adjusters that can fix this. <laughs> I don't know if they want him. I don't know if he wants him to fix his rating or his position listing. Should at least be able to get that sixty free of charge. Speed. Yeah, that's wow. There you go. What Overall, you a thirty-five. Meanwhile, Isaiah McKenzie is up in arms about his ratings. I was looking at the rundown of of his listing. I was trying to say, well, he listed all his numbers, like every rating, like speed, um, uh, strength, all of those things. And he listed all the numbers that he had, you know, jumping, injury, stamina, toughness. Toughness was like one of his lowest ratings. It was 66. So he was all hot and bothered about his ratings. Are you serious? Damn, I can't catch a break around here, he tweeted. So I'm I'm guessing he's not happy with the 66 toughness rating, because everything else is is pretty good. Strength I think was low too, 58 or something. 53, yeah. And then, yeah, toughness was 66. Yeah,
3: you know, <clears throat> these
1: guys, guys the, I tell you they're right. they're serious about the. Yeah, uh, they're sensitive.
3: Ratings. And rightfully, this is they they react to this more than a like an inflammatory article from on the editorial page of the newspaper. <laughs>
1: You're right. I think you're right
3: because you know it's hard not to take. That wasn't it. Wasn't
1: the case 30 years ago. It's hard not to take
3: it personally. You know they used to it. They used to not even this used to not be a thing, right? And what then you talk all this, about Madden, right? And then somewhere along the line, when the players started to play and get more vocal about it and stuff, they used to start squawk about it, and they used to, you know, and then they brought it to the attention of the gamers, not the gamers, but the game creators,
1: yeah,
3: and said, you know. Yo, bro, what's up? And lobby and campaign for to get their numbers adjusted. So now it's a big thing.
1: The thing that didn't make sense to me is Ferguson is given a 35 overall rating, and yet they give him like a high 60s his, and his 70s. His lowest rating
3: is 53. Yeah. So I don't know how that works.
1: How does that? It doesn't compute for me. Yeah, I don't know. Like, how it is works. is it not a true average? It, it mustn't be because I can't get thirty five as an average when all his numbers are in the high sixties and low seventies. I don't know how right. they get there. I don't either. And don't they either. don't get his position right. I mean, come on, <laughs> that's embarrassing. That seems that seems that's out of sorts wrong. for me. That seems wrong. So, hopefully, uh, we can shed some light on this for the Madden ratings adjusters, and they can get that corrected at least. Reed's position. I mean, come on. Do better, Mad Adjusters. Come on. Be better. All right. Uh, Tweet sheet, Steve. We'll get to it quickly because we have to break here. We'll be talking with Eric Edholm from NFL.com about the AFC storylines this year in just a second. What's the priority during Bills training camp? Tweet sheet brought to you by Corrigan Moving Systems, the official equipment moving company of the Buffalo Bills. (laughs) What's uh, the priority during training camp? Jack says Dorsey is number one with a bullet. He takes the helm of a high-powered O, gets to game plan, and call the plays for the first time here. If he can keep Allen and the offense humming, everything else will fall into place. After that, O-line is second to give Josh time and spring running backs. The DBs and the D-line will be fine. I get the sense that there's this false sense of security. I shouldn't say false sense of security because they were number one in the league last year. But there's this prevailing sense of security on the part of Bills fans. Like, defense was number one last year. They're going to be fine. And they might very well be. And they might be better than they were. I, last year. I almost feel like Bills fans are dismissive. Like, don't worry about the defense. They were number one last year. Yeah, we're good. I don't know where. Yeah, we, we, you always try and
3: climb in the head of who they're, you know, the, the fan who's talking and, and fans in general. Do you feel like that. Leslie Frazier's going to have those guys playing at a high level. He's going to scheme his way in. Plus, with better players up front, bigger players up front, with Vaughn Miller there, with the return of Tredavious White, with Joy, Poirier and Hyde back there, a number one draft pick in Kyir Elam. you got Milano and Edmonds back in the in the game. And a, and a healthier, if not bigger and more athletic defensive line rotation with Vaughn Miller spearheading it. It's like, I mean, how are they going to be worse? And in fact... Even And I think most Bills fans would say this. I know I would. I don't care if they're statistically number one if they make more spectacular and splash plays. They could be top five, but if they made way more splash plays than they did a year ago, man, oh, man, it would make a huge difference in games. Because sometimes you get in these games, and all Josh needs is an extra possession. And you get three turnovers like like they did – you know, we were talking back when in Josh's rookie season when they got put out of the playoffs uh, – Maybe not his rookie season, but they got put out of the playoffs um, by the Houston Texans. That year the defense was probably statistically pretty good, but they were splash play heavy. The first half of the season, their turnover ratio was huge in yeah. driving their ability to get enough wins to get to the playoffs.
1: Yeah, because they were only averaging 19 points a game. Right.
3: They were they were churning out turnovers as a defense. That really is kind of the way I wish this defense would play a little bit more. And, you know, statistically okay, they're number 1, but I'd like them to be more in number 1 in turnovers. Yeah. And sacks rather than points against, even, you know what I mean?
1: Oh, I hear you. Break time for us here. When we return, going to talk a little AFC East storylines for the upcoming season with NFL media analyst and writer Eric Edholm. He's coming your way next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. who has been all over the field. Kind of unique. He was kind of a dual-role player for you. Steve! A balloon. Steve! A blimp? (laughs) We're not even in the stratosphere of normalcy. All right, here we are, hour number two on One Bills Live on a Tuesday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. And glad we can be joined now by NFL media analyst and writer... Eric Edholm joining us, formerly of Yahoo Sports, now with NFL.com. So great to have you. Congrats on the new gig, Eric. Uh, Got to be a very exciting time for you.
2: It is, yeah. My family and I are very excited. And uh, life won't change too much as far as the day-to-day stuff. But uh, and the role I've been doing for several years at Yahoo will be very similar to what I'm doing now. So I'm uh, I'm excited. Couldn't ask for a better situation. So So let's
1: start here because we wanted to focus on your afc east training camp storylines for the bills dolphins jets and patriots and i would say of the whole ball of wax here in the entire division the one that stands out the most to me if you ask me to put it at the top of the like what would i put at the top of the list here for all four teams it's tua i don't know how it's anybody but tua would you agree with that
2: 100 percent I think he's probably the biggest wild card factor in the division obviously you could argue you know New England Patriots offensive coordinator situation is, yeah, yeah. is fascinating you know are the Bills a Super Bowl team that's certainly a hot debate you know the can Zach Wilson deliver in year two but still to me Tua trumps everything they you know and he even goes high in the draft as, as the Jets took Wilson but there's a really polarizing uh, response to Tua Bailoa by Dolphins fans, I think by even by people in the building or people who were in the building when they drafted him. Certainly there was some disagreement whether it was him or Herbert who the best option was and you know with, with Mike McDaniel there, another year removed from the hip surgery, a cast of weapons they've surrounded him with, maybe a better offensive line too. Now's the time to produce. If, if he doesn't do it now, I think there there's they're armed with all the first-round picks they can handle to uh, find his replacement next year if it doesn't, uh, doesn't happen in 2022.
3: And it really does come down for the entire franchise. I mean, every they seem to have a really um, a, a deep and talented roster. Certainly the splash signing and the trade for uh, Tyreek Hill puts them in a different level offensively with their speed. Uh, we have talked about whether Tyreek – and I said it yesterday on the show that I thought there might be a chance that Tyreek Hill can outrun To his arm. Um and so <laughs> yeah. you know there's there's some it does come down to his ability to just distribute the football get it out of the pocket quickly and see if these guys can score enough points to you know give their defense a chance to win it.
2: Yeah, I think that's right. And 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 yet there's also going to be the factor of even if they're winning perhaps uh, we could argue that if if uh, you know Tyreek Hill's production isn't somewhat comparable to what he was doing in Kansas city number of targets he gets per game how many you know catches and reset you know yards and everything else touchdowns you know people are going to be going up to him and say hey are, are you okay with this are you are you happy with the role is is there a relationship issue we've already heard it right there was that one uh viral clip this summer of, of two a seemingly underthrowing Tyreek Hill a little bit and everybody reacting on social media it, it was a little bit silly but I think that that theme exists in the background, right? They can have a successful operation. Jalen Waddle was great as a rookie. they've got some tight ends they like, et cetera but um, the the backfield should be better. but you know if Hill's production isn't strong, you know considering what they paid for him and and what he meant to the organization to to swing that trade uh you know there there will be questions about how that relationship's developing.
1: you touched on it already, but the coordinator situation in new England is a fascinating one to me because Belichick to me seems like a very cut and dry head coach. There's a lot of black Mm -hmm. and white and very little gray. And I'm sure there's a motive to the cryptic nature in which he has handled this. Um, at the same time though, whether it's co-coordinators, whether it's judge or Patricia, I I don't think this helps Mac Jones at all. Um, not only because, well, maybe it's more cut and dry for them on the inside than it is for us on the outside, I would imagine it is, but still in all, it's the second coordinator in as many years for Mac Jones, and I I think that makes it harder for him to take the big second-year step that they're hoping he will.
2: Yeah, especially with with – Two candidates who you know have been head coaches before have been experienced, they certainly know the expectations that Bill Belichick has and have worked with him for years in different uh roles. Patricia largely on defense, Judge largely as the special teams coach, a little right. bit more experience on offense. But you know, that's a lot different, I think, than going out there and uh, sort of installing an off designing an offense, installing it, uh, and then also making game uh, play calls on game day. So yeah all that and the day to day stuff the development i mean you know quarterbacks uh, that's a that's a unique trade and it it often takes another quarterback or somebody who has been coaching the position for a long time to spot little things like that and you know even keen defensive coordinators may not have quite the hands on knowledge as, as as somebody who's worked on the offensive side of the ball we might be making too big a deal out of this. You know, they, their offensive line may come back together again and they may have a, a stout run game. And Mac Jones proved as a rookie that, you know, he can make mostly sound decisions. And even with some things, you know, even swimming upstream a little bit at times last year, you know, he held himself well, he's supposedly in great shape. So there, there are a lot of reasons to think that Mac Jones can a, have a successful career and apply it this year uh, as well. But at the same time, this is a very unusual setup, even for the Patriots, who most definitely go against the grain in a lot of different ways. Yeah, and it struck
3: me when this they decided they were not going to name an offensive coordinator. I, being who I am and what I've seen, I I just thought it was just a way for them to circumvent the rule that says if mm. they're going to hire an offensive coordinator, they have to interview a minority candidate to do it. And they just wanted to get they just want to have to deal with it. They knew they would never hire anybody outside their building. Uh, Yeah, and they just weren't going to go through that rigmarole. Could it be that simple?
2: You know, it's possible. I don't have any inside knowledge about that uh, element of it. And and I believe Bill Belichick has gone without an offensive coordinator before. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know if you guys remember, but I think it was the year after they beat the Eagles in the Super Bowl, so it would have been the 2005 season. I think McDaniels was promoted to – I don't know, head offensive guru or some unofficial title, but he didn't have the OC, you know, on the masthead. So, you know, they've done things like this before. Uh, and I believe I you know, they may not have even had a, a true de facto defensive coordinator a year ago. So everyone assumes, you know, it's Bill's son and, you know, maybe Jared Mayo's involved somehow. I, I kind of think that's going to be the similar blueprint to what we see this year where, you know, maybe they're trendsetters. Maybe nobody else wants to attempt this. Maybe there is an element of uh the, the rules that the NFL lays out and they're they're finding a way to get around it somehow. But um it's possible that it involves factors from all three. Moving on to
1: the Jets, I, I don't think anybody's been surprised that Joe Douglas being a former offensive lineman has, you know, made it a focus to improve that offensive line in front of Zach Wilson. But the Makai Becton thing is is it, it's an issue. Um, yeah. And until Mekhi Becton shows up a trim and svelte 360, uh, it's going to continue to be an issue. So it's already been rumored out there that Fant is going to be the left tackle and they'll see if Becton can play right. Otherwise, they may just move on from him entirely. And you intimated the same in your write-up on NFL.com. Um, how ugly can this get?
2: Yeah, and you know, I mean, you have to remember Joe Douglas's first draft. You know, Bucky Becton was part of a really good offensive tackle class, and I think they were the maybe third out of five teams in the top half of the first half, and who, who ended up selecting offensive linemen. And so, you know, they were right in the middle of that bunch, and they felt like Becton at that point was, you know, clearly the best option. So, you know, this is a little bit of an indictment of Joe and in, in, in his first draft there, and what what you know, Beckton looked like at times the a rookie, you know, you thought, wow, this, this guy could be something special, right? If he gets his conditioning in shape and, uh, you know, continues to grow as a player, I mean, he's got all the skills, but so far it hasn't been there. And you're right. The weight has been a, a lingering concern for some time. You'd expect him to show up to camp ready to go best shape of his life, all the other cliches, but you can't guarantee that's going to happen based on what we know to this point. So you know, George Fan has been a, a, a good blue-collar soldier for them. He's, he lives at the facility from what I uh, understand. You know, they brought in another, you know, smart guy and a tough guy in, in Lake and Tomlinson with experience. And, you know, Ali Tucker came in as a first-round pick a year ago. I think they're pretty high on him as well. So the other elements could be very good, but that right tackle situation where, you know, you've got a potential fourth-rounder pushing him. You may have to shuffle things around. The last thing you want to do is – you know, mess up two positions to try to fix one. I think that would be a mistake if they end up having to do that, but they do have some linemen with some versatility and, uh, you know, trading him would require some faith that, okay, we not only have a good starting option in place of him, but also somebody who can back him up that we trust as well.
3: One of the things we noticed about the Jets is they seem to nail it on the draft. Now the pieces are starting to come in place with the offensive line notwithstanding Brees Hall and, and the rest of their draft picks really could, if they can come in and contribute right away, that may be just the elixir to make Zach Wilson a little something more like we thought he was going to be.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That's the hope. I mean, their their first four picks had to be among the more, you know, exciting top quartets of any of any team in the draft this year in terms of filling needs, getting, you know, making the most of, of the talent that's there. Jermaine Johnson, a lot of people thought could go higher as a pass rusher you know, you could have the debate of whether Sauce Gardner is going to end up being worth the, the pick they took him at. Corners are always a, a tricky lot. But, you know, if if he shines in New York, he's got the nickname, he's got the game, the length, and, and that, that could be a really exciting match right there. And of course, Hall and, and Garrett Wilson as well. I think, you know, they like what they saw from Michael Carter a year ago, but I think he's kind of pegged to that third down role now And Brees Hall, who, to me, looked like kind of a, a poor man's Jonathan Taylor, if you will. I thought he was outstanding when I watched him. My favorite back in in last year's class and Garrett Wilson. They, it really grew on me the more I I studied him as well. And not the biggest guy, and maybe not even the fastest, but such a competitor. And he's he's I, I think will end up a number one at some point. Probably not this season as they do more of a committee approach. But this is the setup, and it, it theoretically should give him tons of options, just like Zach Wilson had at BYU, where he could throw to. Almost anybody, you know, they had five receivers that that he went to regularly. So it kind of mimics what he had in in Provo. And they're hoping that that and better health in in year two and just a little more continuity uh, should provide better results. If you had to put this division in order, are you
1: putting the Patriots down there in the three spot behind Miami? Because, I mean, Steve and I saw a very old and slow Patriots yeah. defense here in the playoffs last year when they got throttled by the bills. Mm-hmm. And while they have made some additions, none are making my eyes pop and say, "Ooh, they got younger there or they got faster there. I, I just don't see the necessary improvements from the Patriots to, to feel remotely confident that their defense will be better so I'm inclined to kind of put the dolphins right behind the bills in this division and, and drop new England to the three spot.
2: Yeah. I think you're going to see a lot of that. I think a lot of people are going to say, okay, you know, we like Mike McDaniel. We think two is going to at least be competent. And, you know, they've been adding pieces through the draft for for three years now, plus, and, and, you know, doing a good job of replenishing some of the talent hasn't been perfect, but I think you'll see a lot of people put them ahead of new England who had a very strange offseason, not to use the pun with their first round pick Cole strange, but <laughs> you know, a lot of their moves really did throw people off this year between the coordinator stuff, you know, the second round pick Taekwon Thornton, a lot of people thought, you know, maybe closer to the back end of the top 100, not somebody in the top 50 like that. You know, they're counting on strange playing right away. They're counting on somebody stepping up at left tackle, you know, whether it's Trent Brown moving over or Isaiah Wynn coming back and, you know, they're counting on Christian Barmore being devastating force, and those linebackers being better. And like you said, just the overall speed, and not just the playoff game. I thought the the second Bills game as well too. It, that was the first indication that okay, they may be having they may be having a very strong year defensively by the rankings and by the numbers. But that speed is going to come back to bite them, and it most certainly did on that uh, that night game up at Buffalo.
3: What do you think about the uh, as you see the Patriots go and? What is going? They just seem to be going in the wrong direction. Even on the draft, um, they've always done things to march their own, the beat of their own drum. Do you think? Yeah. Um, do you see them bottoming out this year? Do you see this as a year that where they actually do take a step back? Even with a second-year quarterback who's in the same system, um, it strikes me as a as a team that's really trying to step back a minute and regroup almost.
2: Yeah, it was, it was a little bit odd, too, especially, you know, you, you, you saw them be more passive in free agency this year, and you saw them take Bailey Zappi, a quarterback in round four, you know, a fairly high round four pick where you say, this is a team that still has holes, in my opinion, right? Or at least I'm looking at from the outside in and saying, I'm a little surprised in some of these, uh, the, the, the direction they're heading. And, you know, just a lack of depth in certain spots. But, you know, again, I, I think, there's been a, a 20 plus year pattern of them, you know, either matching expectations, exceeding them, or, you know, when people are ready to drive the stake in and proving people wrong and just saying, we, by the way, we still have the best head coach on the planet in their, in their opinion. And, uh, you know, we have a young quarterback in, in Mac who we think is going to really step up this year. You know, maybe Devonte Parker's the, the solution to their receiver needs, you know, uh, the tight ends might produce better than what they they got out of them the first year after paying them big money. I, I can't say they're going to gonna crash. I re- would really have a hard time seeing that. I think they're too well-run an organization. But it's it's just outside of the box enough, even for them, for, for me to think that, you know, I think there may be more paths for Miami to win that second uh, spot in the AFC East because the Bills right now are the, the cream of the crop. Miami's fascinating and new England is probably a, you know, a small notch behind them. But in my opinion, I can't just drop them off the, the face of the earth or anything like that.
3: Right. Well, and give us an idea here, um, about the expectation. You said that the, the Patriots will exceed or or not exceed. Do you think like last year's free agent crop, they bought the two, brought the two tight ends in, um, and, um, uh, and Aguilar, um, they just didn't get the production from those guys that they thought they might have. They got a lot of money invested in them, you know, and they yeah. didn't. They did They didn't have the money this year. They didn't spend the money this year. Do you sense any kind of shift in philosophy that they've shown over the last twenty years? That that this. I mean, it just seems like this year there does seem to be a different kind of feel to what they're trying to get done in the off season.
2: Yeah, and I think they're smart enough to know that. Oftentimes when you pay for a free agent, you may not actually get the, the, the full benefit if you get it at all, for that matter. But it, you may not get the full return on investment until year two, starting in year two. We've seen that just kind of historically where, you know, a high priced free agent kind of bottoms out in, in their first year of the new team. The pressure, the money, the expectations, whatever it may be, learning a new system, getting used to a new culture. And New England is most definitely a different culture than a lot of other teams you know, that's how someone like Jonu Smith can can kind of get lost in the shuffle. I, I think he, let's start with him, because they've kind of eliminated that fullback position from what I understand, that that true slobber knocker guy that they were using the last couple of years. And I think what they'll do is use him, you know, more in like that kind of, you know, offset position, a little bit of an H-back you know, get him on the field and, and throw him the football. I think he's going to end up being a, a bigger producer. I can't say the same for Nelson Aguilar. I don't think they go out and draft Taekwon Thornton as high as they did if they believed in Aguilar. So I think it's going to be Parker, Kendrick Bourne, Jacoby Myers, Hunter Henry, of course, too. He, he was great in the red zone a year ago. And then Johnny Smith will kind of be that, that next guy on the totem pole. But, you know, did, did last year's spending scare them away this year? It's possible but we've also never seen them spend two off seasons in a row. They've spent before. They've had a few years, but rarely two years in a row where they've gone hog wild and free agency. Eric, thanks for the time as always. Good
1: luck uh, getting this new gig off the ground. We'll be keeping an eye on your stuff on NFL.com.
2: I appreciate it. I think it's history. I think it's the first show I've done as a, as a member of NFL media. So well, we're I'm happy really, to be I, a uh, part of it. Not to make too big of a deal out of it. Right yeah. now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Eric. Thank you, guys. All right, appreciate that's it. Eric at home, NFL media analyst and writer for NFL.com. Just moved over from Yahoo Sports, so check out his stuff at NFL.com. Moving forward, um, we didn't really talk too much Bills with him. We were kind of surveying the rest of the AFC East landscape. But in his write-up on – the Bills, he asked if Von Miller is going to be able to upgrade a Bills defense that was number one in the league last year. And I would argue, we ran out of time, I was going to ask him, I would argue that I think that hinges less on Miller and more on the guys on the interior who are who don't come in with the same cachet as Miller, Sure. if you know what I'm saying. Sure. So, I think their presence and their production is going to factor in just as heavily as Vaughn, because that, if you have that, now you have a complete defensive front where nobody on any given Sunday can be given all of the opponent's attention on every single series. You got to spread the wealth to account for everybody. If that happens. Yeah.
3: You got to know that Vaughn Miller is, Rarely going to be singled, um, which you know if that it it just becomes a math and numbers game, somebody else has got to win one on one and if Von, and once in a while Vaughn will beat a double team, um he's got that in his resume. I think it's going to be fascinating to see how the 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 perception of this defense changes from last year to this year if they do come out and do some of the things we've been talking about get some more splash plays and get some more turnovers, get more sacks. And even if they're not, um, in the top, even if they're not number one, like they were a year ago, but how much they'll be perceived as a much better defense than they were a year ago. Um, we talk about it a lot. We we trumpeted the fact and still do that they were number one in this, number one in that, number one in this, number one in that. There's like four, five, six, seven categories that they were number one in over the course of the season, and ended up number one in the in the league. Nobody talks about the Bills' defense, you know, and I get that with Josh in the equation yeah. for most people. I think you, I would be interested to see if that could happen that they get more splash plays and statistically in those statistics we're just you know those categories that we're just talking about they're ranked lower than number one but their defense is perceived as being much better than a year ago right I think it's really interesting to see if that could
1: happen They could be better it's crazy to think they could be better
3: there's easy there's you can make an easy argument for that I mean I think that's what kind of the it goes along with the expectations of the general public thing and this is a Super Bowl team headed for Von Miller is just the kind of the the poster boy or the poster child of all the improvements this team has made the bigger size up on the interior the more athletes up on the interior the defense Von Miller on the outside Greg Rousseau with another year AJ Epinesa with another year Ed Oliver with better players around him in the pass rush Goodness gracious, you got a a huge athletic corner on the other side of Tredavious White. Goodness gracious. Taron Johnson, one of the best slot corners in the league. I mean, there's a lot to love. It's impressive. Just on that side of the ball. Forget about Steph Diggs, Josh Allen, all that stuff. James Cook and the offensive line with two big steamrollers up front now that they didn't have a year ago. I mean, you go on and on. Yeah, you can. That's, I get, you know, the expectations are there. They earned it. It's exciting. And There's... everybody's done their part to earn it, including Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott. That's right. All
1: right, you sold me. <laughs> <laughs> Just tee it up, man. Yeah, we, uh, you know. we have to take a break here, but we are asking you for the priority for the Bills during training camp. O-line cohesion, D-line production, defensive back questions answered, or the Ken Dorsey effect. Got some of you holding at 803-0550. We will get to you right after the break. So Linda on a cell, stay tuned here. We'll get to you first when we return. Here on One Bills Live, presented by Collada Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. Give blood and score swag. Donate blood for a chance to win preseason, regular season, or training camp tickets, autograph merchandise, and more. Each donor at presenting Connect Life locations will receive a Bills cinch bag. For more information, go to connectlife.org. You have to donate blood in the month of July uh, at participating Connect Life locations to receive the Bills cinch bag. Wanted to get to your thoughts on our topic at hand today, which is what is the priority during Bill's training camp? O-line cohesion, D-line production, defensive back questions answered, or the Ken Dorsey effect. Let's go to the phones first here, and waiting patiently is Linda on a cell. What do you have for us, Linda? You're on One Bills Live. Linda, are you there? All right, I'm she like left us hanging. I think she did. So I'll just put her on hold in case she's still there, but we'll try her back uh, in a little bit. Let's go to the tweet sheet, though, to continue our efforts there to uh, see what you guys had in mind with respect to the priority. And Alan up next, and he prioritized them D, A, B, and C. That means it's Ken
3: Dorsey, then O-line, D-line, and the DBs.
1: He says, good offense coaching with our future MVP QB, an O-line to block for our running backs, a defensive line to make it easier on our DBs, while it's not 100% by eating quarterbacks alive. It, it, it is true that the defense has had to rely on the secondary a good deal. So that's the, that's the thing. Um, yeah, it's interesting. It may flip this year. Good. The second –
3: yeah, they, they have kind of been the uh, the example of a team that relies on really good coverage and forces a quarterback to make bad throws or to run around and to extend plays and um, kind of go off the page in order to beat them. Um, they've got good guys back there. The safeties make all the difference, particular, particularly when the play breaks down. That's when your safeties come into real focus uh, – because they you know they're the guys that are kind of back there roaming around following the quarterback and covering up where the DBs are starting to you know lose their grip because of the extension of the play you know Poirier and Hyde make plays because of that yeah um, they that this defense has been a real example of why coverage you can make the argument is more important than a pass
1: rush. Let's get back to the phones we go to Gary on a cell next Gary, what do you have for us you're on one Bills live
4: hey guys afternoon how's it going good good calling to talk about our so-called number one ranked defense from last year.
3: Okay, so-called, I I sense a doubt.
4: (laughs) Oh, there's more than a doubt. Come on, and on several occasions I've heard each of you talk about how we faced multiple backup quarterbacks several times during the season. I went through the 17-game schedule, and I found two legitimate quarterbacks, which was Brady and Mahomes. And even with that being said, we still didn't make enough splash plays throughout the course of the season. And then we had the stinkers. We had the game against the Jaguars. We had the loss at home to the Colts where they ran the ball down their throats. I think Wentz was the quarterback on that team, and look what happened to him later in the year. Okay, and then there's still even more. We had the rematch with the Titans, and they ran the ball down our throat again. Granted, we had a chance to win it at the end of the game, but again, with the way our offense was rolling, we always put the defense in a pretty good situation for them to rack up the numbers to get us to the number one. Yeah. But then Kansas City put up a 42-burger on us in the playoffs.
1: Right, and the Chiefs, where was the our Chiefs, defense? And the Chiefs had a thirty-six burger put up on them. I mean, that was that was a game where the defense wasn't winning, no matter who was on the field. And the only other game I'll disagree with you on, Gary, is the Jacksonville game. I'm not putting that one on the defense at all. What did that finish? Ten to three. Yeah, I mean, I'm not putting 96? that. Nine six. Yeah, nine to six, right. I'm not putting that one on the defense. So I, I would take that one out of the equation yeah. on the list yeah. Yeah, on that Indianapolis game. No, look at the it
4: quarterback. He well. was a rookie quarterback with a disaster of a franchise who won how many games?
1: Yeah, but, I mean, you hold a team to nine points. You win, You should win the football game. I you
4: should. Exactly. But so I'm, I'm putting, not, that, I'm putting that one on the offense. It's <laughs> priority.
1: Yeah. I, I'll, I'll agree to disagree with you on that one because I'm not pinning – the Jacksonville loss on the defense, but you, there.
3: you make a good point, and we've been talking about it. I think one of the things that, that fueled their, their, you know, their rise to the top of the rankings is the fact that they held the teams didn't score a lot of points on them. They had two shutouts. They had a team score eleven on them, a team score nine, and a team score six. Um, you know, and another team score ten. So, I mean, they're number one
1: in the league in points allowed. There, and
3: I guess when you get down to it, that's what the defense is supposed to do. If they can keep them off the scoreboard. Everything else is gravy. Um, and that's what the Bills have managed to do last year in a on passing, a number of occasions. In
1: a passing league, they were number one in the league against the pass. And I understand it. There were a lot of backup quarterbacks that, t- or inexperienced quarterbacks that took the field against the Bills. You had a rookie in Zach Wilson, um, you had Tua, who was the full time starter f- for the first time in his career. He was split starting his rookie year. You had uh, the kid down in Houston who was a rookie making his first – Davis Mills was making his first NFL start in week four against the Bills on the road in Buffalo. That's no easy task. And Tua got knocked out of the first game in the first quarter. And Jacoby Brissett had to play the balance of the game. Can't blame the defense for that. They knocked the starter out of the game in the first place.
3: Right. And they did it early, and they were hitting him often. They were getting loose on him. Um, And you can – I'll say that you can put that on the secondary as well. That Tua had to pump, had to tap the ball. Yeah, they were shutting off his first read, and he couldn't get rid of the ball his first read, and somebody was on him. They were hit, they were hitting him in the back. Um, so yeah, the defense played really well in that one, and uh, and came up with a victory. But I get it, and I this exact, and. Gary said exactly what I've been saying. They were really good statistically, but they were unspectacular when you watched them play.
1: And I'll give him that. The splash plays were not there in plentiful supply. I will absolutely give him that. Um, It's just hard to argue when you have a number one defense, not only in total defense, but scoring defense, third down defense, and pass defense, among a host of other things. You know, some lesser-known statistics. So – For my money, (laughs) if you can be even better than that, fantastic. And I think there is the potential for them to be better in the splash play area specifically. And hopefully a lot of those splash plays are happening behind the line of scrimmage because if they are, that means your pass rush is getting home. And if that's happening, that means there's probably more splash plays on the back end by way of hurried throws and errant passes that result in interceptions going the other way. Right
3: and that's you know it all plays into each other's ripple effects for all of this and if you get one part of your team that starts playing markedly better it's going to have a ripple effect to the others as well um not only, and not sometimes not in positively um, if you can believe that cuz what I, if your defensive line starts playing better uh the other team uh, the other team may it may force them into other play in in other areas and other game plans that you're not so prepared for um Teams will do some other stuff that they do well, as, in in order, you know, to match up with you. So it's not always just like if you do this, they can't. They have no answers. They some of them will have answers. Uh, so it's just everything changes. The ripple effect not only affects your team, where your secondary is helped out by a better pass yeah. rush, and vice versa. The other team's offense is forced to do some things that, uh, and sometimes very successfully, that you didn't think they were going to do, or that you weren't prepared for.
1: Steve on the tweet sheet says, I like the order the way it is, A, B, C, D. It all begins up front. And you need both the O and D lines to be solid. To me, the O line is more important. The DB situation will take care of itself. If Trey is not ready, the next guy will step up, and Dorsey won't change much with 17 as his QB. He may not ha- I don't think he's looking to change much. The Protections are the same. The language is the same. But his play calling will be different. Because he's not Brian Dable. He's Ken Dorsey. That's the that's the thing to remember here. You know what I find interesting, Steve, how resolutely confident this fan base has become in the ability for backups to step into starting roles and perform admirably with limited drop off. And they feel it's clear they feel that way about anybody that may or may not have to step up for Trey White. And I understand why, because last year when it had to happen, the defense didn't miss a beat particularly against the pass. Yeah, that – I get it. And that's why this
3: team has been so good. They've, they're deep. They're deep in, tech, in in talent and in production. I mean, Dane Jackson goes in. Nobody knows who he is. I mean, he's been around for a year and stuff. He's seventh-round draft pick, right? And he, he goes in, and the defense is exactly – you don't see anything differently about, different about that defense – That's rare. It really is because even even when you you do that, teams teams used to pick on Levi Wallace, and all of a sudden they're going to pick on Dane Jack. They still can't get it done. Yeah, you know certainly now you get into the playoffs where, um, you know, you you get hung, you get forty two points hung on you by the by the Chiefs, Um, and after Thanksgiving when the when the Bills played the uh, the the uh, New Orleans Saints. Uh, you still – you know, then you get the – all right, Saints game, they gave up six. Then they gave up 14. Then they gave up 33 to the Patriots. That was with Trevor Simeon, a quarterback That's in right. New Orleans. 14 against the Panthers, who couldn't score. 21 against the Patriots, 15 against the Falcons, 10 against the Jets. So the last – you know, the last part of the schedule outside the, you know, the Patriots twice – you got the Buccaneers, the Panthers, Falcons, Jets, not really and the last year's Saints with their struggles, not really a gauntlet coming down the stretch. So your defense was really never tested. And like Gary said, the caller. Um, I get it. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of ways to poke holes in the number one ranking the Bills defense had a year ago. Um, and you can see it with the naked eye. And it all comes down to what Leslie Frazier has also said in this last offseason. He goes, he wants more splash plays. He wants, them,
1: he wants them to change the game once in a while yep. and on a regular basis. We have to step aside here when we come back. Some final thoughts from you on the tweet sheet. And we'll be closing it up for a Tuesday as we inch a day closer to the opening of training camp at St. John Fisher this weekend. Back in a moment here on One Bills Live. Stay tuned. All right, welcome back. Some final thoughts on the tweet sheet from you in terms of the priority you deem most important during Bill's training camp. Joshua went C, D, A, and B. So he's looking for the defensive back questions to be answered first and foremost. He says White's healthy return, along with rookie Elam, getting to starter level should be the first priority. Next is the KD effect. Taking hold, that being Ken Dorsey, execution in the preseason will help with that. O line and D line rounded out. Veteran coaches and players there would make me less anxious on the O line and D line. Yeah. yeah, veteran players. Yeah, Saffold's, um, been Saffold's a veteran long time. player. It's a very veteran player. D line, Jordan Phillips is a veteran now. Saffold's Saffold's age
3: does worry me a little bit. He's got. He was with the Rams when they were clear back in St. Louis. I mean, it, it's been a while. He's been in the league a minute. Yeah, he's in his mid-thirties. Um, and when you see guys like that, sometimes it's hard for them to stay healthy for a full schedule of games. Yeah. And plus, as an, and particularly as an offensive lineman, because those guys don't rotate. You're going to take if there's 1,100 snaps in the season, he's taking 1,100 of them. Best case scenario, that's hard to do in your mid-thirties. Um, so that's a concern for me. But the depth they have is, you know, it's everywhere. So let's just hope it doesn't get tested to the point where it breaks.
1: Last one comes from Ray. He votes for D-line production. He says Miller has to improve our pressure on the QB, which will help the cornerbacks. Big show tomorrow, Steve. Dun, 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 dun. The new host of Good Morning Football, Jamie Erdahl, will join us. Awesome. As well as Bill Barnwell. Big show tomorrow. We'll see you at 1.